This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of Revelation, so please follow along in your Bible or use the screens and, or from the handout in your bulletin. And I'll be reading from chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, and from the New International Version. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles, and pearls of thunder, in front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center, around the throne, there were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third was, had the face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and your will they are and by your will they were created and have their being. The word of the Lord. Good morning again. Thanks, Al, for that great story. Nice job. Uh, just a couple of thoughts I wanted to, uh, that's, not, that's not in the script here, but I just wanted to share. I think about this uh, regularly. Uh, something really special about uh, uh, babies and moms. Uh, I learned a while ago when uh, Susie and I were going through this season of uh, having children uh, that the baby, uh, stem cells and things, sends these, its own DNA into the mom while the baby is in utero. And then the DNA... Uh, which is the dad and the mom, stays in the mom forever. 
And so I just thought that was really cool that somehow through the baby, the, uh, the father is in the mom that way. Um, and then a, a recent thing that I learned is that when a baby is nursing uh, from the mom, uh, the, the mom will analyze the baby's saliva to determine its health. And then it makes a customized cocktail in the milk and sends it to the baby to help the baby get healthier. It's just amazing. I'm just floored every time I learn something new like this. So good job, moms, being amazing uh, and doing all these things. <laughs> uh, and definitely happy Mother's Day to you all. But uh, moms aren't perfect. And I think uh, my opinion is that moms come closest to uh, drawing out really special emotions and tributes out of me. There's something so steadfast and faithful. There's something so sacrificial, something so enduring, something so soft yet gritty. There's just, there's a kind of uh, walking paradox that a mom is that really makes me uh, want to Uh, honor them and uh, say good things about them. And I feel filled with gratitude. But just like everyone else, even they fall short. They're disappointing. And it's because everyone is disappointing. At some point, we show our true colors. But nevertheless, my instinct is to worship. My instinct is to look for worthiness in things and people all around me. And the question that I always ask is, who is worthy, if that's true about me? Now, this is fresh. This is me adapting here. This is one of my kids. Uh, They were taking notes on the Sunday morning service schedule, detailed out to the second here. And These are the things that she wants to give her heart, soul, mind, and strength to. And nobody taught her to do this. She just wants to do this. The first thing is Tom Riddle. Anybody know who Tom Riddle is? Yeah, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you know who that is. She's just read through the books, and she's reading through the books for the second time. And she really is fascinated with that world. And she's giving herself to this world. And then another character is Harry Potter. And another one is Tom Holland. Anybody know who Tom Holland is? He's Spider-Man, right? And she's really amazed by Spider-Man. And then his counterpart, the next creature that she drew on here, is Zendaya. Anybody know who Zendaya is? Yeah, you guys know Zendaya? And then there's a little picture of her turtle, Oliver, her tortoise. And then Tesla. She loves Teslas. Uh, My sisters have them, and she loves it. She's always pointing out Teslas to me, and uh, we're in the market for a new car for mom, and she's talking to me every day about getting a Tesla for mom. I'm sure that's not about mom. But here's this little creature, and she, without any uh, instruction, is looking to give herself over to things. We are all like that. We are all easily starstruck. We want to focus on something. We want to look up to something. We are looking for worthiness. This uh, past week, I was out and uh, on the paddleboard, and I saw a teenage. What I think uh, is a teenager bald eagle. You know, the it wasn't quite the white head with the brown body yet. It was kind of more, you know, mixed up. But by the size of it and the way it flew and where it was perched, I can just tell that was an eagle. 
And you know what happened? Suddenly I realized my jaw was open. I didn't tell my jaw to do that. I just came into awareness of my jaw that had decided this eagle was worthy of dropping for. That's what we do because we are creatures who respond to worthiness. We respond helplessly. And we are in the book of Revelation. The series is called Endgame. And basically, here is the book. That at the final, when everything is said and done, everything that's been created, animate and inanimate, will, by choice, by reason, bend the knee and worship God. And we will do this forever and ever because we will behold finally before us the only thing, the only one who is truly worthy of our worship, the thing that we have been hardwired to search out for and do. We will deduce, we will observe, we will experience the fullness of who God is. And our knees will do what my jaw did. It will drop and he will worship God. That's the end game. That's where all of history is headed towards, the worship of God, the one and only who is worthy. So we have three ideas I want us to think about today, worship, holy, and authority. We'll start with worship. We have verses 9 through 11 here. You see the word worship and worthy highlighted for you on the screen. Uh, Let's start with worship. First, the word worship is a compound word. It's comprised of two words, worth and ship. That means that when we behold something and we see worth, we see something of value, then we start attributing worth to it. That's what the word worship means. So when you are called to worship God, that means that there's been a kind of revelation and experience of something that's worthy, something that's valuable, and then we start attributing worth to it. You are great. You are lovely. You are good. You are kind. You are loving. You are awesome. You are worthy is what we are saying. Now the word worth then, if you look it up in the dictionary, it says it means it's of value, of import, and it merits recognition. Something has value, then it's worth Something, a word that's close to this in the scriptures is one of my favorite words in the Bible is the word glory. And I love the sort of the contradiction in this word because in our, in our you know, language, the word glory kind of connotates ideas of light and shining and it's big and it's powerful. But it, actually in the Bible, it's the opposite. It just means to be heavy. It doesn't mean anything about light. It just means that it's substantive. There's something significant about it. If you look up the word glory, the definition of it, it says it means uh, it has earned honor. That God is weighty. It's something you have to contend with. It's heavy. You can't just push it around. It pushes you. If you hit against it, you're the one that's going to get broken because it's so weighty. And as we recognize the significance, the earned honor of God, then we give honor to him. And the word honor means respect. It means to regard with high esteem, 
to attribute worth. So now we have come full circle. When we behold something that is worthy, something that is glorious and heavy and weighty and significant, we deem that it is worthy of honor and we respond to it. We worship it. This is the economy of human beings. This is what makes the world go around. All of us hardwired to seek worth. And once we find it, we respond to it. And this is a definition of worship. Revelation of something that's great, something that's powerful, something that's true and beautiful and good. And then we respond to the revelation. That is worship. What do you respond to? What do you find in your life worthy of worship? It's interesting to note here that uh, as much as God asks us to love him and that we ought to love God, in reality, when you break it down, we don't ever really love God because the way love works is love flows down. God is love. God is the only thing that is love. We can be loving, but we are not love. God is love, and he is above all. And so the way that flow works is love flows down. We, on the bottom, underneath it, experience the flow down of love. And then we respond to this love because things like worship and worth and glory and honor and fear and trust, these things by nature tend to rise up. And so there's this ecosystem, this dynamic Right? Between God, who is the creator, and we, who are his created, the creatures. And so God's love flows down. It's a kind of revelatory thing for us. And then we are awestruck by it. And then we respond to this flow down of love. And we raise up naturally worship and honor and glory and trust. And that's what we see here. The last verse, what does it say? By your will, they were created and have their being. You and I, everyone that's come before us, everyone that's going to go after us, we are at our shining best creatures. We have been created. We are a figment of somebody else's imagination. Somebody else thought us up. We didn't exist until they decided we were going to exist. They assigned meaning and purpose to us. They situated us in time and place. And we, by design, by order, by truth, are supposed to live our lives for the one who created us. And this then describes the basic trouble with human beings, that we keep trying to assert our own will. We keep trying to be the creator. We are not. We are the created. We are creatures. And so we live in constant tension with God. When the scriptures say we hate God and we are God's enemies, it's not like we have to even be conscious that there is a God for us to be in battle with him. 
We are born into this world blinking, and then we try to be God because that's the function of our fallen nature. We keep asking, what do I want to do? What should I be? What do I prefer? What's my favorite? It doesn't matter because it doesn't start with us. He created us. We are created. You know what this means? That means that as I grow as a human being, as I mature, as my consciousness expands, as my mind gets smarter and smarter, the more civilized I get, the better of a human being I get, the more humble I get, the more I come to understand the realities of how this is supposed to work. So the less I'm going to fight and try to be the creator. That means as I grow up, I'm going to become more and more of a worshiper. I learn what it means to have my place in the universe as a creature. I submit, I ask questions, I bend the knee. This is the trajectory, the best trajectory, the intended trajectory for all of us. That as we grow, we learn what it means to worship. What it means that God alone is worthy. And if this is true, if our propensity is to worship rather than be worshipped, and as we mature, we grow to become better and greater worshipers, then it's so important that you and I have a clear idea and not be deluded or deceived into thinking that something is worthy when it's really not. You have to ask, what is worthy? Is Voldemort worthy? Is Tesla worthy? What about Zendaya? She's pretty great. Is she worthy? That's my job, to guide my kids so they don't worship the creature rather than the creator. What will you and your children and their children give their lives to? What is worthy of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? What do you spend your resources, your time, and your energy, and your money on? What is this moment an opportunity for? You have to ask and answer this question. Who is worthy? What is worthy? What is glorious, weighty, substantive? What matters? So many things that are put before us, they come and they go. This is the glory of man, like a flower. Here one day, gone the next. We're just a dew, a mist. That's what the scriptures teach. That's perspective. That's truth. I know you should be good at your jobs, but ask the question, is your work and your working life, is that worthy? Your hobbies, I'm sure it's really fun and you've been working at it, but is that worthy? Other people, are they worthy? Are they worthy? Do you know how I feel about the next presidential election? Apathy. I'm so tired of it. Everybody else is just like me. They're all so disappointing. I have zero persons that I can think of that I want to bend the knee to because I've determined nobody, not one person is worthy. 
Indeed, all human beings have fallen short of the glory of God. You name a person, I'll take a look. You name a thing, you name a hobby, you name a work, I'll, I'll, I'll analyze it. Let me see if it's worthy. Let's do it right now. Think of something. Anything? The older I get, the more and more I come to believe in this idea of holy. Holy, holy. You know, I remember when I was a kid and I was learning uh, about the Bible and, uh, you know, you have curious questions about heaven. Heaven, really? That's real? What happens in heaven? Why is heaven so great? Well, according to the Bible that talks about heaven, we're going to sit around the throne and then forever and ever, like all of eternity, we're going to say these, you know, words three times, pause, and then say it again three times. Holy, 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 pause. Holy, 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 pause. Holy, 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 pause. I mean, that was like four seconds, and you're already sick of it. Imagine an eternity of singing holy, holy, holy. Why is that the mantra? Why are we going to do that for ever and ever and ever. Why? You know, I was, a, um, I was a, a college student and I was going through like, you know, a bunch of like getting to find myself kind of thing. And I remember we, uh, I grew up in New York City, so I didn't even know this thing existed. I never even heard of it. I just experienced it and then learned later what it was. But I went to the school at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And every year, the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship chapter I belonged to would take a retreat up to the Upper Peninsula, the UP. And I was standing on the shores of Lake Huron. It's about 10.30 in the evening or something like that. And I was going through stuff, and I was just standing there by myself. And then I started seeing these lights coming towards me. And I got so scared. I really believed they were space aliens coming to take me home or something. They were the northern lights. The northern lights. Lights, colors, a phenomenon I had never seen before. I didn't even know it existed. It was so Different and otherworldly. You know how long I stood there on the shores of Lake Huron? All night until it was gone. I don't remember, but I'm sure my jaw was on the ground. I didn't even know time was passing. And that's just lights, just a light show. I can get that as a screensaver now. And I spent all night and time passed like that. Imagine beholding God himself who imagined the universe. I mean, do you realize that cosmologists, astronomers, they spend their whole lives and generations have come before them and generations will come after them. Decades and decades and decades of people staring up at the cosmos trying to figure out stars and how the universe works. And they're not counting the days. They don't feel like it's, oh my God, how, many long, how much longer do I have to keep doing this? They want to, in fact, live longer. I've read article after article of scientists who wish they could live longer so they can see their research through. Imagine standing before the one 
who said a word. And all of that came into being. The scripture says he flung the stars into space. And here we are studying the stars generation after generation after generation. Don't you think if little old me is spending all night staring up at the northern lights and scientists in, throughout human history are still staring up at the same night sky trying to figure it out, that when we are finally around the throne, we're going to go, holy, holy, holy. And we're going to say this forever and ever and ever. It's going to be pulled out of us. We're going to be in absolute eternal awe at just how different, how unique, how separated, how holy other our Lord God truly is. That's what the word holy means. It means to be different, to be set apart, to be totally and utterly other. You and I, you know, we keep making gods in our own image. You know, we have God-like thoughts. It's like, maybe if I become president, I'll do something better. I'll do something different. I can't even count how many candidates are thinking that these days. Everybody and their mother is running for president. Because they all have God-like thoughts. But the best they can do is think up of a God, a plan, a policy created in their own image. And guess what? I'm not interested. I need something different. I need something holy, not the same. Do you realize what our world is? The entire planet and its history is just a bunch of people dreaming up dreams. And then you mix it all up in one soup and you get the world. World history is just our best efforts swirling around as it gets flushed down the toilet. That's our best shot. Do you realize this? Not the next round of human beings are going to come up and they're going to give it their best shot. And guess what's going to happen? Same thing. Just add it to the soup. What you got? Okay, just add it in. Doesn't matter. Let's do this. Let's keep doing this forever and ever and ever. That or forever, ever, and ever God who is holy. God is not created by you or me. He's the one who created us. And we need to return to the image in which we have been created. Here's one way that I think this chapter is really emphasizing how different he is than us. I'm going to ask you a quick question, trick question about this next, sec next section on authority here. Put on your best inductive Bible study hats here and tell me what this chapter is about. I'll give you a clue. It's about the throne. It's about the throne. God sits on the throne. He has all power. He has power. Isn't that amazing? Finally, we have somebody to appeal to. You know what we have? We don't have power. You and I, the best throne we have is a porcelain one. Let it hit you. And there's been times when we've knelt before that. 
Somebody told me to tell that joke at the first service. They asked me to add that one. That wasn't in the first one. He is the creator God. That means that he is the author. That's why he has authority. That's why he has power. That's why he's on the throne. The word authority borrows its origin from author. He wrote us. He wrote existence. Can you imagine not existing? Can you imagine you not existing? Like you not thinking about what it's like to not exist. Can you imagine that? As soon as we get there, we disappear so we can't imagine it. Like God did that. God created you. He's your author. He authored you into being. He's the authority. The word authority means might plus right. He has the strength and he has the right because he wrote everything into existence. He's the word. Here's an interesting insight that I've been feeding off of for a few weeks here. There's this power which has an inversely proportional relationship to drama. You got to think about that one for a second. As power increases, drama disappears. You know what drama is? Drama is a bunch of powerless people pretending they have power. If there are movies in heaven, there's no dramas. Because God's on the throne. All power, no drama. And that also means in heaven, if there are movies, there's no thrillers. There's no tragedies. Only comedies. Now, I've been thinking about that for three weeks. You got to think about that one. See if that's true for you. Dramas can't exist. Thrillers can't exist. Tragedies can't exist. Only jokes. That's why I like telling them. I want to appear before God's throne of power. And I want to lay all of my questions, all of my frustrations, all of my hurts, all of my mistakes, all of my sins and failings, I want to lay before this throne. And I want to ask him a few things. I say, God, please, you are on the throne. Tell me who I am. Define me. Tell me what to do. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Tell me that all injustice will be undone. Tell me that every tear will be wiped from our eyes. Tell me that my name is written in the book of life. Tell me that truth will reign and cover the surface of the earth like the waters cover the seas. What would you say if you were before the throne? What would you want from power? What's your appeal? What's your request? What's your ask? Tell me that everything will be okay. Uh, here's a quote that I discovered this week. Everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Do you know who said this? The guy, a guy named John wrote the book of Revelation, but this is another John. This is John Lennon. Close enough. Everything is headed towards worship. That's how we know everything is going to be okay. 
everything will be okay. Um, we have a little tortoise, and, uh, you know, my youngest one, she loves this thing. You know, it's funny, it needs heat lamps, and it needs infrared light, and these lights, I connected it to Alexa, so then she uses um, Harry Potter commands to turn the lights on. She says, Alexa, Lumos, and the lights come on, and then at night, she says, Alexa, Knox, and the lights go off. It's, it's really fun. Um, we were thinking about this, how this tortoise is going to outlive dear old dad, you know? Like, I can't be there for my daughter, but this tortoise will be. And there's some assurance in that. Like, this tortoise puts everyone to bed every night because we are all going to fall asleep eventually and permanently, but not this tortoise, right? But you know what? This tortoise, as, as faithful and as eternal as it is, it's powerless, there's no power. It's just a fraidy cat. My 16-pound cockapoo comes right to it. One sniff and disappears into its shell. It's actually quite worthless. But imagine one who is powerful and loving and eternal. So here's another chart. We have power and love has a direct relationship to okayness. If God really is powerful... And he's on the throne. And he's totally other, holy. And he's eternal. And he's glorious and worthy and honorable. And he is loving. That means everything's going to be okay. It truly will be. And so as we close, I want to invite you. If you are an elder or a creature, would you read this out loud with me as our closing? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. Fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him. God, we pray to you this morning because you are worthy of our prayers. You will receive them. And with your power and love, you will rescue us from worshiping idols, from giving ourselves over to things that are not worthy. Show us who you are. Reveal yourself to us personally and imminently so that we may respond in worship to you. Attribute worth to the only God who is worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.